it was 100% success rate. You know, some towns it was unanimous. In all 12 that voted on it so far, it's passed. You're listening to episode 298 of the Community Broadband Bits podcast from the Institute for Local Self-Reliance. I'm Lisa Gonzalez. March 6th was town meeting day in many local communities in Vermont. In addition to specific budget issues and land use questions, citizens of a dozen towns in the central area of the state voted to join together to form a communications union district. The Communications Union District is an entity formed to create telecommunications infrastructure in much the same manner as towns in Vermont form sewer or water districts. Communications Union Districts first took shape a few years ago when the state created the designation. Communications Union Districts have the ability to issue revenue bonds in order to deploy Internet network infrastructure. Since then, East Central Vermont Fiber has become a communications union district, which has allowed the network to expand more efficiently and quickly. In this episode, Christopher talks with Jeremy Hansen, a select board member from Berlin, Vermont, who has led the effort to begin a communications union district in his region. He and Christopher discuss how the need for better connectivity inspired voters to support Central Vermont Internet. In addition to the situation there, we hear about the steps that Jeremy took and what's next. Now here's Christopher with Jeremy Hansen from Berlin, Vermont. Welcome to another edition of the Community Broadband Bits podcast. I'm Chris Mitchell with the Institute for Local Self-Reliance up in St. Paul, Minnesota, where for once I'm interviewing a guest that has more snow on the ground than we do. So welcome to the show, Jeremy Hansen. Thanks, Chris. Good to be here. Jeremy, you're a select board member of Berlin, Vermont. You're in the middle of a sizable snowstorm. Uh, But the reason we're having you on is because you're a founder of the uh, Central Vermont Internet Project and a professor of computer science. So um, I think the first thing to ask you is, what is Berlin, Vermont like? It's pretty rural. I mean, most of of Vermont is fairly small. Um, We're right next door to the capital city, uh, which is Montpelier smallest capital city in the United States with about 8,000 people. Berlin only has about 3,000, um, but we are a a bit of a commercial hub around here. We have a lot more businesses than most of the surrounding towns. We have an airport. We actually have an Amtrak station. The interstate passes through here, so there's a lot of stuff going on here, but all of that infrastructure notwithstanding, we don't actually have reasonable internet speeds in most places around here in central Vermont. A little bit of cable but it's mostly really poor quality DSL everywhere else. So some of the people in your town or just in Montpelier have uh, cable? Um, so it's, it's scattered. It's really, um, really the low-hanging fruit, the denser places around in Montpelier, here in Berlin, um, actually two doors down from where I live. Um, they do have cable, but the way that the utility poles are situated, it's not, it's not going to reach me via that route. So I'm in a slightly more sparse area where the economics for the larger incumbent providers are just not there. And so you decided to do something about it with the Central Vermont Internet Project. I think a good place to start is what is your vision when, when, when this project is rolling? Uh, what's it going to look like? I'm looking for this to be fiber to the home, so gigabit speeds to basically everyone uh, in the member towns, so all homes, businesses, civic institutions in all of the member towns. You know, this is a structure that's, I don't want to say totally familiar, but it's not new here in Vermont. Um, EC Fiber, which I believe you've had on the show before, um, they've done this and it's working in much sparser towns than what we're talking about, you know, 
uh, around the, the capital and uh, in this county just to the north of EC Fiber's territory. So um, we're looking to essentially duplicate their success and you know bring people high-quality, uh, reasonably priced fiber to the home. EC Fiber, which is short for the East Central Vermont Fiber Network. For some reason, the V seems to disappear in their <laughs> abbreviation. Um, yeah. I thought they included Montpelier, and I, and I realized they, they include like 25 towns. At some point, I must have confused myself. No, you didn't confuse yourself at all. They, uh, Montpelier is actually an EC Fiber town, and now it's a Central Vermont Internet town also, strangely enough. But because Montpelier was so geographically separate from all of the other member towns. It wasn't contiguous with those other towns. Their business model would have had to be, had to be rather different to get to Montpelier. They would have had to, you know, paid for, you know, backhauling their connection or, um, run a rather long spur off their existing network up to Montpelier. And that, it just doesn't make sense. Not to mention that, uh, Montpelier is basically 100% covered by cable. So their take rate, um, is going to be rather a lot lower than some of the towns they were working with before. All, the, all that said, because Montpelier is contiguous with a lot of the, the towns that were interested in this, and actually in the, the, another city that's roughly the same size, uh, next door to Berlin here, uh, Barry City, um, Barry's about the same size, has about the same amount of coverage of cable. So it may not make sense for us to start there uh, just because of the, the competition there, but we would essentially be running cables through them anyways in order to get to the other communities in the area. So if we're running cable there anyways, it makes sense to have them on board and sign people up that are you know, easily accessible, at least with some of the initial builds. Sure. And I'm guessing you've been in touch with uh, Carol Monroe then and, and presumably a lot of other people with EC Fiber. Absolutely. Yeah. And they've been uh, extremely helpful. I actually l learned more about their structure, uh, funny enough, right through this this podcast. So I went and I, you know, I, I visited their facility so I know what their operations look like. I talked to their, their tech geeks because I'm, um, fluent in geek myself, you know, and they came and presented to a couple of the, couple other select board members and city councilors up here in central Vermont and kind of gave us the lay of the land and have been extremely, extremely indispensable to, for us to at least wrap our minds around what this looks like. Well, and they took um, many years with false starts to get their funding. And so let's hope that the model is uh, more proven now. But uh, I'm curious to what extent uh, you're going to be doing a similar sort of thing. I mean, they're, um, as I think of it, they're municipally owned, uh, but it's it's effectively run you know, by a nonprofit, it seems like. And one of the main thing that they did, they didn't actually really issue revenue bonds or anything like that, which is pretty common. They sold uh, private debt to people who wanted to buy it and support it. A lot of local folks, from what I understand. And that's and that's where they started. They did that sort of crowdfunding mechanism before they went and got revenue bonds, and they were able to then use those revenue bonds and actually pay off some of that higher interest rate debt from previous years. Um, just given the the way that the bond market works, I'm expecting that there's going to be a certain amount of that um, with Central Vermont Internet as well, where we will have to start smallish and look for you know private local investors. And uh, once we have you know proven that we're not incompetent and that we can you know have revenue with the the limited build out for the first few years, then we'll be able to go and say to the uh, uh, to the the bond markets like hey. You know, we're here. We want to borrow. Here's, you know, here's our model and go from there. And, um, we have some other opportunities. There's a, there's a bill floating around in the legislature. I actually haven't checked where it is right now here in Vermont that would actually add 
two million dollars, which on most states' budgets is not uh, not all that much, but for Vermont, it's actually a decent sized sum that would actually add quite a bit of funding to what's called the connectivity initiative here. And that would give us the ability to, or I should say, would give the state the ability to put out some more grants for building, for building fiber and building high-speed internet out to uh, underserved and unserved addresses in Vermont. So I'm optimistic that we can probably net some of that um, like EC Fiber has in the past. It sounds like you've already had a referendum on your ideas. Um, a bunch of the towns around you have voted on it. How did that go? Uh, it went. It was amazing, actually. So in order for us to create the district, the statute says that you have to put it on uh, the town meeting ballot or have a town meeting um, vote from the floor. So New England and Vermont in particular, having a rich uh, kind of directly democratic town meeting tradition uh, in, in Berlin, for example, you know, there was a motion on the floor that uh, that I made that was part of our meeting, seconded and went through the process. And then I gave a gave a bit of a presentation and it was voted, you know, eyes and nays from the floor and there were, it was unanimous. So I had also talked to, you know, a bunch of other towns and said, you know, I asked their um, legislative bodies, their select boards or city councils to go and put this in front of the voters a couple Tuesdays ago. It was 100 um, percent success rate. You know, some towns it was unanimous, like in Berlin, but in all 12 that voted on it so far, it's passed. So very, very exciting. That is very exciting, and it fits very well with what we've seen. People really want something better, and I think particularly in New England, there's a, a real value on keeping it local. No, that's that's definitely true, and that's one of my one of my slides when, when I talk about you know why do we do this. One of the things um, that really resonates with people, aside from the fact that the Internet will actually be fast, is that we get local governance, local control, local accountability, and then I usually add after that, and local tech support. So if you call somebody, you know that they're going to be somebody probably within 20 miles. The technician is could be somebody that you already know. Yeah, Vermonters certainly put a lot of importance on the local economy and having local personal contacts with um, with businesses. So let's talk a little bit more about how you got here. Um, you know, I think from what we've talked about so far, you kind of had an idea, you checked out EC Fiber, you gave a presentation, and wham, boom, there you are. But I'm, I'm guessing there's a few steps in between. Uh, for someone else who might be thinking about this and inspired to take action, how did you start educating yourself and, and what were some of the steps that you took to, to make it happen? This actually goes back a, a number of years. So I, I started started looking at, you know, what are the other internet options that are out there? And in my my academic life, I do teach networking and I've published in networking and stuff about mesh networks and that sort of thing. So I was sort of familiar with some of the, the protocols and whatnot that are out there. And I started looking at places like um, B4RN up in rural uh, northwestern England, the broadband for the rural north, and looking at the model of that they had, which they would essentially encircle villages and they would have with fiber and they would have the farmers bring out the, the trenchers and they would just dig the trenches right in the farm fields and lay the fiber and then connect the village, sort of a hub and spoke model and then connect, you know, continue down to the next village and such. And I thought, you know, this is a very Vermont thing to do. But even before that, you know, I've been in touch with the folks that do, uh, Freifunk in Berlin, um, which I visit with some of my students every, every year. And that's a wireless mesh network. The idea is to, you know, essentially provide more, more even 
access to uh, to the internet, and they've had some really good success there. But it's such a dense place that it would just simply not work in Vermont. So, looking at all of these different possibilities, do we do we look at WiMAX? You know, that that can work here to a certain extent, and we do have a small WiMAX deployment in some of the what are now the current Central Vermont Internet member towns. But looking at you know what is really the way forward? What's really the right way to do this? I kept coming to fiber. It kept, you know, that kept coming up that that's really going to be the way forward. It's not going to be putting up a bunch of towers, which a lot of people uh, here are uh, resistant to. That's a, perhaps a mild way of putting it. Vermont is uh-huh. being notorious for uh, being anti-tower. Yeah, and lots of, you know, plenty of lawsuits, you know, even, even some um, hearings of various... Um, Regulatory boards here in Vermont, you know, as on the select board, we had uh, we had a chance to weigh in on a, a tower sighting in our town, and that was uh, yeah, that generated a lot of feedback, and I'll put put that lightly. Right, right. It may have been unanimous in the other direction, perhaps. <laughs> yeah, I mean, and uh, but the, the tower got built anyways, frankly, which r- rubbed a lot of people the wrong way. But uh, you know, using existing poles and adding you know adding another bundle of fiber on the polls, no, nobody really cares so much about that. And right. so that was, uh, that was pretty attractive. Well, I think it is worth noting. I mean, there are important use of towers for public safety radio and other things as well. I mean, sometimes you know, I, I would prefer never to have a sight line disturbed, but uh, sometimes we, we have to do that. You know, Vermont bans billboards for this reason. Right. So people get really uh, irritated when there's you know, other things that are going to prevent, you know, prevent us from seeing trees or prevent us from seeing you know, the, the mountains and such. That's right. And, and I, I would be remiss if I didn't note that um, Vermont is is a place that has a lot of quirks, um, but it, it, <laughs> it has a lot of local thriving businesses. It's, it's wonderful for small businesses, in part because these quirks are things that are navigable by local businesses and uh, tend to keep the big chains out. So, um, so there's, there's some value there and I'm a little bit off topic, but, um, but as we're as we're talking about what you were doing to prepare, once you settled on the technology, what came next? I already knew a, a fair number of other select board members in other towns. So I just started reaching out to them and I you know, created a little presentation based on what I knew and what I learned from EC Fiber and uh, invited some folks to a presentation where they got to hear from me. They got to hear from Irvin Carroll at EC Fiber. And to the folks that didn't, you know, the select board members that didn't show up to that meeting, I just started getting on their agendas and showing up to their meetings, giving them the presentation, answering all the questions that they had and saying, you know, there's really not a drawback to this. You know, with the structure that's that's here in Vermont, there's no um, there's no tax implications. This is not paid for, cannot be paid for with tax money. So they would always ask me, what's what's the drawback? And I said, I don't really know that there is one. You're essentially just giving us permission, you know, to create this structure and you know, serve the residents of your town. And regardless of whether it was a, you know, a conservative group on the board or whether it was a you know, more progressive group on the board, it was always, uh, almost always, I should say, supportive. And so they voted, they put it on the ballot. And then, um, you know, I sort of went out and, you know, let folks in the media know, I mean, they, they got a wind of it themselves when they saw that all, you know, the same question was on all these town meeting day agendas. And then just the a little bit of outreach on Facebook, um, and that was and that was really it. I mean, I really started in earnest 
meeting with the select boards and getting the information out there, I would say towards the end of October, and then with a successful vote of these 12 towns in um, the beginning of March. And we've actually got, you know, and there's another there's another town that has it on its town meeting ballot, but it, its town meeting isn't until May. And then there's a and there's a thirteenth town. It's probably going to be the thirteenth to to adopt this. That's just to the north of us, of the current member towns. And uh, they're actually hopefully going to be calling a special town meeting to get people to vote on this, you know, fr- from the floor, not with a ballot, and to um, send a delegate when we meet for the first time in in May. So it's essentially it was just networking and talking to people. It was uh, remarkably straightforward, but you know, fairly time consuming. But for the most part, with the exception of uh, a couple of other people who you know, attended meetings with me or wrote letters to the editor or otherwise um, to help me collect signatures in some cases. It was it was mostly just a one-person job. Given the problems that Burlington went through, um, although, as we've frequently noted, it sounds, uh, from our analysis, like Burlington has significantly more benefits than than problems that resulted from their network. I'm, I'm curious if you anticipated people raising that as an objection or a concern and what actually happened. They would often raise that. Um, and I, and I would say, honestly, I don't want to be in the position where I'm on the select board and I'm, you know, holding a Monday night meeting until midnight for three weeks in a row because we can't decide what to do with our, you know, municipal broadband provider. It was not a, not a great situation. And, and I know some of the Burlington City Councilors and they were not, you know, super happy about the situation either. You know, what I wanted to make sure and I made clear was that a, no tax dollars can be used. It's clear in statute. The town is not held responsible should something go wrong. This is a completely separate municipality. It sort of overlays the existing municipalities, but it is itself a different district with a different governing board. And the individual select boards and city councils don't have to be involved in any of this stuff. So at no point, if something goes wrong, not that I expect that it will, are any of these select boards or city councils going to be having meetings, worrying about what's going to happen next. I think my final question is whether or not this is happening elsewhere in Vermont. Uh, you know, to me, it sounds like there's still a lot of need in Vermont. It sounds like you know the, the, the incumbent telephone company just got resold again, um, and there's no hope on the horizon except for communities taking action like this. Are you seeing others trying to organize in other parts of the state in a similar way? Yes, actually. So I got a, a message from... Um, Another group, they use a, they're using a slightly different organizational structure. It's not called a, a communications union district, which is what we're doing. They're called, uh, you're doing something called an REDI, a Rural Economic Development Infrastructure District. And that's over in Newbury, Vermont. And they're essentially looking at just building fiber out just in that town. And they are, I think they're hoping to start building actually, uh, maybe this year. They have a similar idea, you know, as this, Effort that we're that we have up in Central Vermont, uh, with Central Vermont Internet, has been getting media attention. There's some folks in far southern Vermont, down in the uh, neighborhood of Brattleboro, and uh, a bit to the west and a bit to the north there. There's some folks down there saying, you know, this is something that we want to do too. You know, how did you do it? Asking, you know, many of the same questions that you're asking now, Chris. You know, how do we, how do we go and do this? And, uh, I, you know, I had a meeting, a phone meeting with, um, one of those folks on Monday and sort of laid out all of the details, um, for how I approached it. And then there, so he's pretty, um, pretty encouraged that he can get this on the ballot in time for, uh, their town meeting next year. 
and then have something like a southern Vermont internet or whatever they decide to call themselves. It's not really a heavy lift creating the organizational structure. You know, the heavy lift is then actually doing the raising of the money and the actual uh, feasibility studies and making sure that everything actually gets built. For those who are listening to this after Lisa has edited, we just got cut off in part because of uh, what Skype describes as too weak of a connection. Jeremy, did you have a, a comment about that? <laughs> no, it's it's not not totally surprising at all. I would joke when I would go to these select board meetings and I would say there's a common refrain in my house because I have two you know, two kids in my house and I always hear them you know, somebody shouting, is anybody downloading anything? Because <laughs> invariably, if somebody is downloading something, everything else grinds to a halt. You know, for folks that live here in Berlin and who only have DSL, you know, who are telecommuting, which there's a surprising number of them, there are times when they can't do their work because of the, the local speeds, and it's really too bad. Is there anything else that we should touch on? I feel like we've covered a lot of ground. Um, well, one of the other things that really was important as I was uh, pitching this to the various boards and whatever was that um, the notion of net neutrality, that was... Um, Something that seemed, for some people anyways, to be of more importance than cost. You know, they, I got challenged by somebody in, in one of the, the cities that has uh, some existing infrastructure and they say, you know, I pay it, I pay a decent amount and it's, my speeds are fine. But if, you know, if you offered, you know, the same service or, you know, even, even a slightly higher rate, if you're saying, or you're definitely not going to filter my traffic and you're going to respect net neutrality. He said, I'm switching. Wow. They're very clear about that. Tell me how you react to this. But it seems to me that the people are much more emotional about their internet connections than I think most people appreciate and certainly more than they were five years ago. I, I would say that's absolutely true. The fact that this is a local effort, the fact that it's not a for-profit effort, and the fact that this you know net neutrality and subscriber privacy is something that is a hot button issue for people, I think makes it really attractive. I mean, I had somebody walk up to me after my town meeting presentation and says, I want to loan you $1,000 right now. It's like, well, hold on. <laughs> I, need a bank, I need a bank account first before that's even going to be a possibility. Right. Well, thank you so much for, for coming on the show, um, telling us what you're doing and providing some hope for folks that are still trying to figure out what they can do. Thanks for having me, Chris. That was Christopher with Jeremy Hansen from Central Vermont Internet. For more about the project, check out their Facebook page. We're also keeping up with the project and publishing stories on their progress at muninetworks.org. We have transcripts from this and other podcasts available at muninetworks.org slash broadbandbits. Email us at podcast at muninetworks.org with your ideas for the show. Follow Chris on Twitter. His handle is at communitynets. You can also follow muninetworks.org stories on Twitter where the handle is at muninetworks. Subscribe to this podcast and the other ILSR podcasts, Building Local Power and the Local Energy Rules podcast. You can access them on Apple Podcasts or wherever else you get your podcasts. Never miss out on our original research by subscribing to our monthly newsletter at ILSR.org. Thank you to Arnie Hughesby for the song Warm Duck Shuffle licensed through Creative Commons. And thanks for listening to episode 298 of the Community Broadband Bits podcast. Music